Hello everyone, it's still a rainy gloomy day for me here in Cavite, but you're listening to the next episode of Full 180, a podcast where we tackle concepts of instructional communication. I'm Jayco, a sophomore student from the University of the Philippines Diliman, taking up Bachelor of Arts in Speech Communication. For today's episode, we're going to dissect a journal article by Sarah LaBelle, Matthew M. Martin, and Keith Weber. It's called Instructional Descent in the College Classroom Using the Instructional Beliefs Model as a Framework. It was published in 2013 in the journal Communication Education. Their study focused on the impact of instructor characteristics and the beliefs of students in the latter's decision to express instructional dissent. To measure this, the authors used the Instructional Beliefs Model, or IBM, a theoretical framework that incorporates and summarizes a huge text on the relationship of a teacher, student, and the classroom environment in the learning process. The model operates on the premise that teacher behaviors, student attributes, and course-specific structural problems all constitute a student's instructional belief, and these beliefs tend to affect the learning outcomes. The author's goal was to utilize the IBM in order to describe the roles of an instructor's behavior and the student's academic self-efficacy in their expression of dissatisfaction in courses or instructional dissent. To further break it down, they also took into account nonverbal immediacy, affirming communicator style, and clarity. First up, let's tackle teacher behaviors which defined clarity, nonverbal immediacy, and affirming style. Clarity, to be point blank, is just the student's perception of how a teacher presented their ideas or course material in a way that is easy to understand. This is not just dumbing down the course material, but rather making it stimulating in a manner that isn't convoluted. For example, you can choose to tackle the cranial nerves in a very textbook approach or you can use mnemonics to make things easier for your students. Back in grade 12, I had a teacher who really loved to use mnemonics. It was very fascinating to me because he was a doctor. So it was a foreign concept for me that someone who had such an accomplishment really made sure to make things easier for us. I still have the layers of the skin memorized because of a mnemonic that my teacher said back then. And I'm no longer in STEM, so you can see how effective it really was for me. So that's clarity in a very digestible way. And on the other hand, nonverbal immediacy, the kind of gap that exists between communicators, or rather the instructor's desire to um, be approachable or approach their students. In action, I guess we see this in how instructors check up on their students' academic standing, for example, or generally just how they're doing. And in this pandemic, I think this is very important because everyone's not really doing well because it's a truly dark and depressing time. 
So as a student, I really do appreciate that when teachers email or send text blasts just checking up on us. But anyway, yes, nonverbal immediacy refers to that desire to bridge the gap between the teacher and the student. In the classroom setting, we see this in smiling or just decreasing physical barriers or distance between students, like um, getting into a lecture and discussing it near the armchairs rather than far away near to the blackboard. We often had teachers back then that we called or referred to as those who talked to the blackboard just because we couldn't even see their faces anymore because they seemed so distant to us. So nonverbal immediacy really is important. Affirming style refers to the kind of friendly, listener, relaxed approach of an instructor when they converse with their students. So I think that goes without saying that it means being warm and accommodating when talking to another person. And beyond the discuss tree, student belief or academic self-efficacy was also discussed in the paper as a kind of grounding for the methodology that would follow. So academic self-efficacy was defined as a student's outlook of their ability to meet a task. So I guess putting it into action, it was the amount of confidence I had that I would submit this portfolio by the deadline. So yeah, I think it's something that students really struggle with. It's not always that we're confident with the work that we put out because there's just so many things going on right now. But anyway, that's not the point of this episode. And um, instructional descent is our main goal here, which is identified as three types. So we have expressive descent, which refers to the student's outright expression or venting of their feelings in a way that is in accordance with their emotions. So this could just involve verbally expressing your opinions or explaining a situation in which they were put in, like something shameful or humiliating or just anything that could serve as a catharsis for what they're feeling. I guess an example would be, right now, the University of the Philippines is experiencing an attack on academic freedom from the state because the Philippine National Police, or the Department of National Defense rather, terminated unilaterally an agreement in which state forces have to ask permission from the university administration before they enter the university premises and i think that based off of my personal views of the situation and the outcry on social media this is a perfect example of a topic that could stimulate expressive dissent however since there are no classes in up right now the only way that people can express their dissent in their academic classes is through their requirements which I guess I'm doing right now since this entire podcast serves as my portfolio in Speech 180. So yeah, defend UP because it's like the last safe haven for expressing dissent. (laughs) Okay, but anyway, going back, 
besides expressive dissent, there's also rhetorical dissent, which pertains to a student's wishes to get their instructor to take action and correct an issue that happens in their class. And I guess you can see this in situations where we ask for extensions and deadlines. Because sometimes when deadlines are just so close to another deadline in another class or an examination or it's just not enough time to meet the requirement, there's always this desire to remedy that and just ask for more time. And I guess this is a reflection of wishing to correct a possible breach in communication and just meeting halfway between the instructor and the student. And lastly, there's also a very harmful type of dissent, which is vengeful dissent, and it really means to undermine the reputation of the instructor. And one particular example that we see this is in social media. If a student blasts an instructor for being inconsiderate, but also there's cases where the instructor is clearly in the wrong, such as when they act inappropriate and lewd towards a student and people post it on social media. So reconciling clarity, nonverbal immediacy, and affirming style, if a teacher is able to have positive manifestations of these things, then a student will be more likely to either think that they can express dissent freely or that they should express a vengeful type of it. And to test this hypothesis, the authors of the study got 244 college students from a mid-Atlantic university to answer some short questions. These questions revolved around clarity, nonverbal immediacy, and affirming style as well as academic self-efficacy and instructional dissent. So the limitation of the study is that the authors focused on positive aspects of dissent in which students who felt that their teachers were practicing clarity, nonverbal immediacy, and affirming style were people who they can approach to in the sense that if there's anything that needs to be mediated, they can freely express themselves. And they would also be less likely to conduct vengeful dissent. And I agree with this. If there's just a lot of goodwill that comes from a teacher, like them doing their job really effectively or being really nice to their students, then there's no way that I, personally, would ever express negative type of dissent. And the only way that I would express any form of dissent is that if I intended to clarify anything confusing in a course requirement. And I guess that's it for today's episode of Full 180. It's very heavy on academic stuff, but I still did enjoy it because this is a paper that was really accessible, really digestible for me. So if you intend to read it in full, the citation is available in the description box. And if you have any thoughts about it, you may use the hashtag Full180Speech. And once again, I would like to thank my instructor, Ms. Gray and Keith Pasquale, for her modules, which serve as the foundation of all the episodes in this podcast. Once again, this has been Jayco. Until the next full 180.